Welcome back to today's episode where I invite Hadi Damastani back onto the show. Now, after one of the previous episodes I recorded with him, we ended up getting into a discussion about happiness and it dawned on me what a huge topic it actually was. Uh, mental well-being, what you can do to become happier in your life. And I just thought, you know what, this is so interesting and I really know nothing about this. Let's just record another podcast about it. So I'm really excited about sharing this episode. Um, Hoddy's got some really great insights into what you can do on a day-to-day basis. Um, Don't forget that if you want to access my whole back catalogue of podcasts, all you have to do is search for The Gary Gunn Show on the iTunes store or any podcast player. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. So welcome again back to the show, Hoddy. Hi there, Gary. Yeah, so today we are talking all things happiness. So I guess a first great place to start, Hoddy, could you define psychologically what the word happiness actually means? Okay, so the term that's used most of all is subjective well-being. That's the term that psychologists would use. It's similar to happiness, but it encompasses a bit more than happiness. So it's a bit more individualistic. So I guess with the presupposition, with the supposition, it's that everyone's different. So everyone would require something different to be happy. Partly that, and partly that happiness is the whole idea of sort of hedonistic happiness and pleasure and doing things that make you feel good and that make you feel happy is not the complete definition of happiness. So subjective well-being brings in this eudonomic element of happiness as well, which is the sort of moralistic qualities as well. So the virtues and moral qualities going to back to Stoic, Stoicism and Aristotle's work, yeah. which I know you know quite well, this idea that happiness is not just about feeling good, but it's about living a good and virtuous life as well. Does this um, have some parts play in, in Daniel Kahneman's um, theory of the experiencing self and the remembering self? Is this that's kind of something slightly different, actually? Yeah, I mean, with regards to happiness, obviously you have the experience of doing something that makes you happy in the moment. But if you look back on it and remember that as not a happy experience, surely that's not making you happy. Is is that is are they not? linked they can be in conflict absolutely and i think yeah. that the, the way the way i look at it is you have the story of happiness and then you have your experience of happiness so let's start with the story of happiness okay right. <laughs> what's that so the story of happiness has the loudest voice first of all of the okay. two okay so the story of happiness is the things that you feel should make you happy so these are the social narratives of the things that we believe should make us happy but also the story we tell ourselves of what makes us happy rather than paying attention to what makes us happy from moment to moment it's if i asked you overall how happy are you with your life then it will be your story that answers that question whereas so, if i said to you how happy were you an hour ago that is a mood evaluation kind of uh, sorry experiencing self would answer that question so if we look at a zeitgeist of of our modern era for example posting stuff on social media so i would imagine that a lot of people feel like or tell themselves the story that painting a good picture about their life online will make them feel happy Absolutely. That's a good example. And we know that the experiencing self would tell not a different story because it's not a story, is it? No, the experiencing self would probably get something from that as well because you'll get a little dopamine hit. You know, when you're on Facebook or whichever social media platform you are, you're looking for that next quick fix hit of dopamine, aren't you? So you might get, but that's the key. It's a quick fix. You might get a brief little buzz of dopamine, but the story you tell yourself 
is that if I if I continue to do this, then that's my path to a happier life because everyone will look at me and will feel that I'm having this wonderful, happy life. But the truth is, you may not be experiencing that happy life. Just telling yourself a story that this is what I should do for a happy life. So that's obviously seeking external gratification as well. If I get a certain amount of likes, then I'll, I'll be happy. Or if people see what I'm doing, I'll be happy. Is, I mean, a big stoic philosophy is moving your virtues inside of yourself so that you you are the master of your universe as such and you don't have to look outwardly for any kind of validation or happiness. And again, as that's is, very is, much a story, isn't it? We, that's the story. Yeah. I was just about to say that. How true is that in 2019 the way that psychology looks at happiness. How true is it or how... Yeah, how true is it? I mean, you know, obviously the, the saying or, you know, happiness comes from within. I mean, is that 100% true or is it a certain amount of, look, you can you can feel happy, but if then if you, if you sat at home doing nothing all day, every day, then there are external things that will also add to your happiness. Or is that not the case? Yes. No, I, I think that the story of what makes you happy at the moment is very much you know, you need to be doing certain things and you need to be uh, portraying this this life that uh, that is aspirational and uh, this is this is the kind of life that uh, that I feel I should be leading that is one of happiness at the moment. I think also there's a collapse of sort of moral values these days as well, isn't there? I think the sort of moral virtues and values are not placed in high regard or high importance these days as well so i think that that's something that the greek philosophers would be very disappointed with well god is dead according to nietzsche as well i mean that's that exactly. was his the whole thing when religion goes we need to replace our morals and if we don't the whole world's gonna gonna crumble so that's something that you're you're aware of is is the 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 moralistic virtues of um, standing up for what you believe in courage. I mean, the, when Stoicism was developed in you know Roman times and it was just horrendous period to live full stop and the people that got rewarded were the ones that had the highest moral virtues. So you think nowadays those types of virtues we're seeing less. Obviously, we're not at a time of war or conflict, so there'd probably be less need for them as well. Yes, I think there's been a, a collapse of those. You know, the, the good life or what constitutes the, the good life is is very different. And I think the, the story is very powerful and the experiences that people have very often doesn't live up to the story. So what kind of things nowadays in the psychology world is are we being educated will make us happy? Well, I think one, th one key theme is we're placing, I think, far too much importance on pleasure and happiness and fun and these kind of things that life has to be fun all the time and I need to be happy all the time. And actually, I'm entitled to be happy and have fun all the time because that's what I'm led to believe I'm entitled to. Um, and the bit that's neglected is the idea of purpose and meaning. And this idea that some people are driven more by meaning and purpose or at least meaningful and purposeful activities. And that side of happiness is often neglected. People are sort of chasing happiness, chasing pleasure, chasing quick fix hedonism rather than stepping back and asking how life could be more meaningful in some way. So that would be a good question to ask yourself. Um, how can my life be more meaningful? And, and by answering that, that would allow you to become more happier if you if you fill in the gap yeah overall your happiness would probably increase if you had more meaning in your life now that might be some big meaning so it might be i'm going to devote my life to this particular cause to this particular value or it might be just filling your life with with more activities that are meaningful and purposeful to you is happiness a good goal that's a very good question 
it depends on what you mean by happiness. From, uh, a, from a psychological perspective, is happiness a good goal or is a better goal to find meaning and purpose? I mean, what, 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 what vicariously, which one will make you happier? Because it al- almost feels to me like if you search for happiness, it then becomes the holy grail. You know, you search for it, you're never going to find it. Whereas no, actually, you chase it, you're yeah, even less likely to find that's it. That's exactly, exactly it, yeah. yeah. Whereas if, if you are, you know, chasing meaning, purpose and, and helping society and the world as a byproduct, you're probably going to be happier. Yeah, I agree. And again, it all comes down to what happiness means for you. And so we do, going back to what you said at the start, we do have our own individual idea of what happiness is. So you might be more driven by fun and pleasure. I might be more driven by purpose and meaning. But this other point as well about chasing happiness is it's this idea that actually learning to be happy and content in the now. So learning to be able to tap into a state develop tap into and nurture a state of internal contentment now rather than this idea of i'll be happy when i achieve this goal or i'll be happy when this happens how does that play out in what respect <laughs> do you know anyone that can do that uh, i mean i mean i guess there's levels when it comes I down guess to the levels. living in the now the meditation and the whole eastern yeah. philosophy isn't it so i think that if is happiness a calm state of internal contentment or is happiness excitement is it fulfillment i don't there's no answer to that there's not because you know i'm an experienced meditator do i feel happy when i meditate no do i feel happier after i meditated no and actually this is a bit of a common misconception but what's happy to you how do you know well, how do you know you don't feel happy well my yeah my understanding is it's a good word but then how would you label any emotion how would i know i'm angry how would i know i'm, I'm sad but it's an interesting point because um, I did a podcast um, last year on uh, the story of, of Buddha's life, and it's a it's a big misconception. Everyone thinks that that Buddha became enlightened through meditation, and it's actually not true. Buddha Buddha tried meditation, and it didn't work. He also tried fasting, and it didn't work. He also tried harming himself, and it didn't work. And I find that misconception quite interesting because whenever you mention the term Buddhism or Buddha, everyone goes straight to, oh yeah, meditation. Yes, that is a practice within Buddhism, but it's not actually how he became enlightened. He actually became enlightened by, by giving up on the idea, by deciding that letting he didn't- go. He, by letting go. Correct, 100% correct, by letting go. That's my question is, is the, are we at, again, we, we talked about this in a previous episode, but are we looking at the dichotomy of setting goals, trying to make your way in the world, trying to be the best that you can be, and at the same point, having that dichotomy of, actually, do you know what? The more that I let go, the more relaxed I am, the more grateful I am, the more in the moment I am, the more happier I am. But then arguably, th- this is a very, very difficult um, thing for me to articulate. I'm happier when I'm aspiring towards my goals. Internally, the feeling or, or notion I would give it would be happiness. But I also understand that I know a lot of people that don't have any goals at all, that live way more in a moment, and they'd also describe themselves as happy. So is part of the issue here that we haven't defined the word happiness well enough so that we're all on the same page? I think so. I think defining it well enough and knowing what happiness means to you and a key element that you kind of alluded to there as well is it's okay to want things, but it's looking at them as preferences, looking at goals as preferences rather than becoming too emotionally attached to them, which again is another key Buddhist philosophy as well, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not becoming too emotionally attached to anything, including happiness. See that again, I, I'm not, I don't know if I, if not, the story I tell in my life that I don't buy into that. 
because for me um without the emotional attachment to what i'm doing or what would like to do um i found that i'm not drawn towards my goals as much now i understand there's also the argument of well why do you want to achieve them goals in the first place and and perhaps you're you're good enough as you are but the way i look at the world is you know what i'm trying to do a good thing i'm trying to help people and the more that i'm in a better position to be able to do that the more i can assist the world so for me you know saying well you know you're okay as you are that doesn't quite cut the mustard in my own story but you're still okay as you are doesn't mean you're not okay yeah absolutely as you are. yeah so you can you can be okay as you are as you are and still have have that sort of that goal but the key point you touched on there was it's not a selfish goal to fulfill your own needs yes you may get something from that but essentially you're helping other people you're helping other people and as a result of that, they're happier. You'll feel a sense of self-worth from that as well. Ah, that makes sense. Whereas if it's a narcissistic goal, then you is that a, a, yeah, a or, difficult... Yeah, or, or, just, or just selfish goal, not necessarily selfish in a negative way. Okay. I mean, it comes down to self-actualization is the term that psychologists would use. And what does that mean? So self-actualization is the, the top of the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that arguably only 2% of people reach. Okay. And an example of that would be, would Buddha be someone who reached self-actualization? Yes. So okay. self-actualization is when you are following a cause or a calling that is above your own selfish needs. Can, I mean, I don't know how well you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you know it well enough to just go through the levels now with us just to, yeah. so we can understand them? So what, what would be the first, so um, if my understanding's correct, the higher you go up on this triangle, the, the more relaxed the more self-actualized you are basically so if you don't have your needs fulfilled at the bottom level then then you will experience a certain amount of pain as a result of that a certain amount of feeling like that need must be fulfilled okay so yeah so could you would you mind going through them the sure. levels so yeah the first one is survival food okay. water air without those you're, yeah, well, going, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to last very long okay, exactly so basic human needs you need you you're not going to be worrying about am i liked am i loved have i got enough likes on facebook am i leading a meaningful life if you haven't got food air and water okay yeah that's a very valid point okay so it would be that once you've got them satisfied so once you've got are, them satisfied yeah. then become shelter sheltering needs okay so am i safe am i safe am i secure okay that makes sense. So then, okay, so again, it's sort of the survival sort of needs, really. Yeah, yeah. Am I safe? Am I secure? Okay, and I guess the, there's just there's probably times in your day to day life where you don't feel safe and you don't feel secure. Um, and then obviously you're then looking at fulfilling those needs to to move on to the, n the next stage. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. What's and the... also you can kind of look at this as well in in terms of children's development as well. So as a child, this is the the developmental stages you go through as well. Oh, really? So. That's interesting as well. Then uh, I, I don't have children, so I've never seen the. the I know you have a, a boy, don't you? So yeah, yeah. As you know, when you're yeah. very young, you know, you feel very anxious. You don't feel secure. You don't feel safe. So it's, uh, yeah, am I safe? Am I secure? Have I got enough food, water, air to be yeah. able to survive? So once happiness once you, is not an issue. No, this not. This is, this is, am, no. I, am I going to survive? Yeah. So what would what, if we go up this pyramid? What 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 comes next? So after that, it's love and belonging. So am I loved? Do I matter? Am I loved? Am I important? Is this the sense of? Is this where purpose comes in? No, it's no, different. No, this is about feeling feeling loved. And how? Bit left field question. How how, how do you know you feel loved? <laughs> That sounds a bit of a weird question. But. Well, feeling, feeling that you matter in the eyes of other people. Okay, so the, the description but feel, for love. But feeling you're important, feel that you're loved and cared for. 
independent of your actions. Is that? Is this yes. like what's the term for this? It's when unconditionally. Like, so it's unconditional love. Is is that? That's the prescription for that for that area. What about um, if you've never felt that way in your life and and you don't know how to access those types of feelings? Is is there a, a you've never a, felt love? I don't know. I mean, it's again. I guess love's a very difficult thing to to explain exactly what it means to every person. But not necessarily never felt it. But if if you you know you you're not very much in tune with that feeling because you don't okay. feel like you are. Well, what sometimes happens is if you were lacking love, or your perception was that you were lacking love, then you can get stuck on one of these levels of need. Yeah, exactly. So for example, you know, the, the person that goes from one relationship to another relationship and can't be on their own for five minutes, and we all know someone like that. Um, <laughs> we, yes, we do. No, no, mentioned, but uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and again, it's, it's, the need of, it's the need of love. So somewhere along the lines, the argument might be that, uh, that he or she didn't feel unconditionally loved, so they are stuck and fixated on that area. They feel that need must be fulfilled and they spend all their time and energy looking to fulfill that need wow and, and i guess this is and then what happens sorry to interrupt, yeah, what yeah, happens sorry. then is you neglect the other needs if you become fixated on one need you can't move on and you can't start satisfying the other needs and these are all blockages in the way of happiness or self-actualization mm, yeah yes again I mean, it's they're, murky they're, they're links they're links yeah. but exactly, their happiness obviously. is not the term that's used but um, but yes but it's a good model to explore happiness though yeah well, i'd, I'd agree with you the yeah. idea is you know we fulfill a need with the expectation that we'll be happy as a result that's a good point as well so so, so as we move up these levels then we, we, we're now feeling loved and we're yes. feeling like we matter. If all, if all has gone well, we, we are. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is where like 99% of people are, are falling by yes, the way. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, then we move on to the esteem needs. This is where we get stuck. This is where most people get stuck, particularly in Western society. So this, am I successful? Am I respected? Do I come across well in the eyes of other people? So this am is, I important? Is this like your, your career type? Could be your career. Or your fitness or your... So it's basically the, the, the area that you judge yourself most on. Yes, in or you comparison. feel other people might judge you on. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense as well then. So if you feel like you could potentially be working for a small gym team of four people and you could be the manager there and you'd feel amazing and, and self-esteem's high because you're, you're top of the ranks there. You could take the same person, put them at the bottom of the chain of 200 people and their need perhaps wouldn't be met because the circumstances are exactly. different. And okay. I think now more than ever with social media as well, this is where, well, you're this is where yeah. we're stuck and this, this is where people spend far too much time worrying about, do I matter? Mm. Do I matter in the eyes of other people? Am I successful? Am I respected? Am I important? Am I significant? These are all the questions that, that people ask themselves. And this is where, going back to what we are saying, the story of, of social media. Well, if I, if I present a certain image in a certain way, then I will feel like I matter. I will feel in the eyes of other people that I'm important and significant. Wow. It's beginning, this is all beginning to make sense, actually, following this framework. Um, so you, in your experience, most people get stuck on that level. I'd say most of us that are stuck, most people that come to see me when they're telling me they don't feel as happy as they might do, it's because they're stuck on this level. Wow. So if, if we manage to um, climb out of this level and we're, we're doing well and, and we feel important and we feel like our esteem's being met, 
Where, where's the next rung of the ladder? So now we're at the top of the tree. Now it's the pinnacle, it's self-actualization. So self-actualization, oh. and this is the one that uh, not many people could probably say. So this is when you don't rely whatsoever on the support, encouragement, and acceptance from anybody else. So this is the holy grail for Stoic philosophy as yes, well. Yes, exactly. And, and actually Buddhist Buddha's teaching is is the, the letting go aspect is is the the level before self actualization because he he actually became self actualized underneath the Bodhi tree when he gave up on his desires so that would be letting go of des- yeah letting okay go of desires, here's the dichotomy expectations yeah this is the dichotomy isn't it because in the West we're educated towards achieving the best and marketed upon by these multi billion dollar industries to to invest in everything invest in getting better buying more spending more. And an Eastern philosophy is completely different to it. Absolutely. And um, the, the social narratives are so strong as well, you know, that, you know, you need to be educated, to, you need to be successful in your career, you need to have this this amount of followers or friends on social media, whatever it may be. So it's all the things that where you could get stuck that define a successful life. And I think a lot of people are chasing a successful life rather than a happy life and they're putting the idea of success above happiness because they're not the same thing how would you differentiate the two well i think success is this idea that people chase success with the expectation that success automatically leads to happiness and it doesn't so the idea is if i become successful i'll be happier but the two don't necessarily add up so the supposition which is widely accepted in the western world of success equals happiness is wrong absolutely is there a better explanation success equals how would you feel that well if you're happy first if you learn how to be happy in the now you're more likely to be successful at whatever it is you do anyway you know, if you it's tell such it, a fine balance, if isn't you, it? If you, exactly. If you tell yeah. yourself, I'm only, what you're essentially saying is, I'm only going to allow myself to feel happy and good about myself and my life when I'm successful. That's the narrative. Yeah, and that's an issue because, as we all know, success comes in waves anyway. So if that is how you live your life, when the success come, gets taken away for a period of time, that must really affect your self-worth. Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that it's been estimated that only 10% of your happiness comes from your circumstances and success very much fits into your circumstances. Hang on, we need to delve into that. 10% comes from circumstances. So they've estimated, scientists have now looked at this where your happiness comes from idea and they've managed to sort of look at the percentage estimations of where your happiness actually comes from. And could you give us the percentages? So everybody has a happiness set point. And that is genetically predetermined. You're not going to change that, apparently. So that is 50%. 50% of your happiness is genetically predetermined. That's your set point. So if mum and dad were were sort of glasses, half full type people, little cheery disposition, then you're much more likely to be born that way as well and vice versa. Wow. So that's 50%. 50%. Quite a big number. Yeah. And what about the rest of 10% is... Only 10% is your circumstances okay. because we adapt to our circumstances both positively and negatively far more than we realise, far more than we predict we will. And then 40% is the lens through which you look at the world. So your attitudes, your belief system, your perception and your behaviours as well. So how do you spend your time? Are you spending your time doing things that are purposeful and meaningful and give you pleasure or not? And are you looking at the, the world through a lens that is optimistic? Are you grateful? Do you have positive self-image, self-esteem? So let's 
dissect a little bit, if we, if we take optimism and gratitude, which are um, two obviously separate feelings, but maybe we can just do one at a time. Let's start with optimism. How can you develop a more optimistic lens? Well, you can practice develop. You can practice the idea of imagining things going the way you want them to go for a start. I mean, there is an argument that uh, that being realistic is perhaps more helpful sometimes than being optimistic. It's certainly more helpful than being pessimistic. Yeah, you know, we, but, we all know someone pessimistic well, as well. Is, and the funny thing I always find is, well, this argument, this justification people give quite often that I'm sure you've heard when people say, well, if I expect, if I imagine the worst things are going to happen, then if they don't, then that's a bonus. Yeah, I don't. And that no. doesn't really make sense. because no, because 99% of the time it's not going to happen. And not only that, because the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. If you're imagining something might go wrong, whether it actually does or not, doesn't matter. Your body's already experiencing it as if it is going wrong. You're feeling that so you, worry and that stress. Yeah, so you're left with a sense of impeding doom and anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. If you're overly optimistic, yeah. then you're not going to be prepared from when life throws a curveball at you. So, so the, the Stoics kind of had a, a nice little analogy for this. That they, they basically say that um, if, you're, if you're too optimistic, you're up in the clouds. And if you're, if, you're, if you're too pessimistic, you're down fighting it in the battle below. And the idea of place is being at the top of the mountain, looking down with a sense of optimism. That's a nice metaphor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that metaphor. It just kind of gives you a bit of perspective as well. Um, okay, so... Optimism would be, and what about gratitude then? How, how can you create a more... Well, gratitude is about what you focus on. So essentially, happiness is about what you focus on as well. Life is about what you focus on. So we could both sit here now, Gary. We could both sit here and we could quite easily think of something to feel upset and annoyed about. That would be easy enough to do. Indeed. <laughs> Equally, we could sit here and think about something we're grateful for if we wanted to do that as well. So, so very often it's not yeah. about changing your life. It's about changing what you focus on. So spending a few minutes a day thinking about a more graceful life or having more gratitude and more optimism in your life will change the lens in which you look at the world? It will train your focus. It's all about training your mind. It will train your focus and you'll start to develop that attitude over time. Because even with goal setting, the idea of goal setting is you're still focusing on what you haven't got well, the, as yet. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I do um, to create a new habit, actually, I started this year. I have a little A5 booklet and I put it on top of my phone when I go to bed. I turn my phone off. When I wake up in the morning, I open up the booklet because obviously I used to reach for my phone. And in there, I have um, one page per goal that I'm looking to achieve. My first two pages are actually gratitude and optimism. And I have a visual representation of me having more gratitude and more optimism. And every day, I take it up and I just add something to it to feel like I'm more involved in the process of adding optimism and, and being grateful in my life. And that, for me, has been a really good morning ritual. It's something that's really easy to do. I actually quite enjoy doing it as well. It's, not, it's not, never a chore. Um, and also as well, like, you know, when you're leaning over and reaching for your phone in the morning, you know, there's going to be some stress on that phone as soon as you turn it on, even if it's like good things, it's still going to give you that, that spike. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas sure. doing a little ritual before I, I, I really feel like it's impacting the rest of my day. No, that's a really good habit to get into really good practice to get into. I mean, there's some evidence, interestingly, that if you do it once a week or twice a week rather than every day, that that might even be more beneficial oh, wow. because it doesn't feel like a chore and because yeah. you don't adapt to it. So it's interesting you mentioned that it's not a chore. If it's not a chore, yeah. then that's great. Yeah. But, but what, what some of the research in this area has shown is some of these things are probably 
probably might be more effective doing them every few days so you don't adapt to them. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, I guess... I guess I'm editing it every day, so there's a certain level of me. Yeah, I, I, so I, you're adapting, you're amending it, so it's changing. Yeah, but I also learned this from a friend of mine who's a writer, and what he said is he, he when he finishes writing every day, he never finishes a sentence. And what that does, that gets him back the following day because he needs to finish it because there needs to be some kind of completion. So when I'm working on this stuff, I always don't finish what I'm doing. And then I want to wake up and then I want to edit it a bit further. Okay, and then it's like a yeah. self-fulfilling. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice Great, little... It keeps that momentum, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's just, I don't know, you feel like it's not finished. <laughs> it's, yeah. It sounds ridiculous, but actually it, it's so simple and it just, it works. No, it's good because you're motivated then to... to to finish that because we want the, the stability we want that to make sense yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely so um we were God, I completely forgot where we're at we just go well, off tangent the thing about happiness you go off on all sorts of tangents so yeah. yes so there's there's the idea of self-actualization oh, there's yeah so yeah so we were on the the 40 percent oh sorry yeah that was okay. it so, so the 40 yes. percent is the, so the 40 percent yeah. is the attitudes the lens through which you look at the world and how you spend your time and only 10 percent is your circumstances so we are much better off spending our time cultivating the types of attributes that we'd like to look at the world through rather than actually trying to change your outside world funnily enough your outside world is likely to change if you're more optimistic more more gracious and that's the point exactly can you can you look? It's a bit of a random question here, but can you look through life through a happy lens, or does that sound ridiculous? <laughs> can you put your happy lens on? What would a happy lens look like? Well, that's you? that's the thing I was struggling <laughs> with. But can you can put on a an? So is optimism an emotion, or is that a optimism? I would say is yeah. I guess it is an emotion. Hope is probably the emotion is, it's closest to. Is happiness an emotion? Happiness in itself is not an emotion it's more an experience there okay. are a range of positive emotions that are linked that to, are to, linked to happiness okay. but they're more specific yeah so okay that makes sense so you can put an optimistic lens on but you can't put a happiness lens on because happiness is an experience rather than the lens happiness encompasses too many different elements and a number of range of different positive emotions yeah okay so that's or, actually really it's actually way more complicated than what yes, it's going to be. We we kind of op opened up a, a a box of just wow. Okay, I'm trying to make sense of this. So you can you can view the world in different lenses, but actually happiness is a feeling in the moment. But but then surely, okay, yeah. So if you look back on something, you can look back with happiness, and you're experiencing that feeling. But you can't, I guess, look back with optimism, can you? Because it's different. You can't, but, but also, yeah. you know, within happiness, you have the, the range of positive emotions. So you have the mood stuff related to happiness. So you have a range of positive emotions, inspiration, joy, amusement, or these are all positive emotions that all are happy, positive emotions. But it, again, it comes back to what we were saying at the start, the idea of what your happy story is and what your happy experiences are as well. So, you know, you know when you get a moment in the now when you're aware that you feel happy, but it's your story that is is running the show, really. It's the story about, well, you know, what, what have I decided will make me happy and how am I constructing my life along this narrative in order to maximize my chances of living a happy life? How do you, not, I don't want to say change your story because we can come on to that, but how do you educate yourself into, into what makes you happy? How, how would you be able to work that out? 
Again, it sounds like a weird question. Well, I think, first of all, people people will have an idea of what they think will make them happy. Yeah, that was but, my point. But we're not very, we're not very good at predicting yeah. things like that. So, uh, you know, one thing you can do is go and find somebody. The chances are whatever it is you want, somebody out there is, has probably done it and got it. Go and speak to them and find out whether it made them as happy as you think it might have done. That's a really... I know that's common sense, but actually... <laughs> I would imagine a lot of people spend their lives searching for this, again, they use the term holy grail, only to arrive there and realise that it didn't make them happy. But at they the could have saved a lot of time if they'd spoke to someone. Yeah, but at the same point, isn't the quest what makes us great, not the achievement or the, 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 the end result of doing it? The, the quest towards something. I agree with you, but that's not the stronger narrative, is it? It's the narrative I tell myself. Now, with more experience, I I recognize that whatever I'm searching for or aiming at is not going to make me any happier. But But then you're more enlightened, you're more informed. Would you agree that most people probably, yeah. No, no, this is is recent for a lot of soul searching and speaking speaking to people like yourself as well to, 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 to understand the point that when you do set yourself this target, however difficult it is, and also I've got the experience of doing it, of setting very difficult targets and achieving them, it's fleeting. And what normally happens is you have that, oh, okay, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And then I would typically go into a bit of a, not a depression, but, you know, until I set myself another goal, which is more difficult, and then I come alive again. So I recognize that I need to have that that difficult thing to do because mm-hmm. it brings out the best in me. But I also realize that when I get there, it's not going to mean anything. Is, is, is that a normal narrative? It is a normal narrative. It is a normal narrative. And I, and I, I think as well, you know, maybe happiness for you is more about sort of moving forwards and excitement and passion and those sort of high energized perhaps emotions, whereas happiness for somebody else might be a calmer state of contentment. So it, it is a minefield when you're talking about this, this term happiness and, mm. and it just means so many things to so many different people. Well, I mean, I, I this is again a little bit left field, but I, I'm very avid reader of Greek mythology, um, which I love, and the story of the heroes, Jason of the Argonauts and Heracles, or Hercules as, as we like to call him, and also all fairy tale narratives. They're all a similar vein. And, and the thing that I would like to draw attention to that isn't, you know, they live happily ever after. I mean, the hero goes on his journey to get Excalibur the sword and slays the dragon and saves the day. But actually, when you look past most of these heroes, after they've finished that challenge, it doesn't end well for most of them because actually they lose their, their goal and their drive of what it is that they were trying to do. Um, Jason and the Argonauts is a great example um, of someone who achieved his goal and, and then afterwards just completely paled into insignificance. And I, I, I feel a real resonance with that when I don't have that that meaning and purpose in my life. And again, I've seen this or I've read in and seen it in various different things. I know um, we've spoken about Man Searches for Meaning by Viktor Frankl as well. And his whole therapy was based on finding meaning in your life. Um, I didn't know, again, just to, to get your thoughts on that whole Absolutely. concept. I think that whole purpose narrative is a powerful one, but it's not the one that most people buy into that most people are aware of. And it's, you know, these fairy tale narratives that you mentioned, yeah. for example, you know, these these narratives about how we should live our life and what will make us happy are very deep rooted and they're ancient. Like they are. Yeah. And I 100 percent felt like I'm in my own fairy tale. <laughs> no, but like I, 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 I buy into them. I, I feel like there's a reason why these mythological stories have lasted so long, why we never tire of listening to them, why they're reinvented, why 
the, the, the Rocky films, for example, of the, the underdog story. I mean, the zeitgeist of that generation. A lot of people buy into it and still love that film. It still makes them feel great watching it. What are some of the other narratives then that, that you, in your experience you hear? So there's the one that I've just described about the, you know, the hero and the fairy tale and the, and the, the in um, Greek mythology. Are there other like common themes that you see and narratives that people tell themselves in their lives? Well, I think the, the social narratives around sort of success are probably the um, the most sort of omnipresent ones, I guess, aren't they? This idea that, you know, if I'm successful, then then I'll be happy. Okay. Uh, you know, so money will make me successful. Status, you know, will make me successful. A good job will make me successful. It's all about this sort of the, the things that you feel will make you successful in order for you to yeah. be happy. I've got an interesting point on that. I'm interviewing um, Jenny Gucci, who's um, part of the, the Gucci family. She was married to Paolo. She's um, my vocal coach. And I'm definitely asking her about this. And, and perhaps you can like trigger how I should specifically phrase these questions. When she talks about money, obviously um, she divorced Paolo many years ago and she doesn't have the affluence that she once had. When I said, you know, does money buy happiness? She said, absolutely, 100%. Yes, it does. And anyone that tells you it doesn't is lying. Um, so I, I didn't know what your thoughts, because she's someone that, that actually had the wealth and, and then fluctuated and oh, she's still wealthy, but she doesn't have the, the same level. What's, what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, that would tend to go against the scientific evidence, this yeah. idea that actually, you know, money buys you happiness when money takes you from a place of pain and poverty into a place of no longer having to worry about the bills. But once you get to that point, which uh, I think a survey that Danny Kahneman did again was sort of about £50,000 salary. Okay. You know, once you're earning £50,000 a year, you are no less happy than someone that's earning a million pounds a year. And there's, wow. a, there's a lot of data that they gathered to be be able to come up with these conclusions that's a very interesting distinction then so once you've kind of got to that threshold level any money you earn past that point has been proven that it won't necessarily make you any happier i guess there's outliers to every single study so there are exactly. people that are going to enjoy that and aspect. also the story is so strong and powerful that we hear this study and we think wow well that kind of makes sense at some level yeah. but we still don't believe it. no course, <laughs> i was just thinking <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, you know what though it's, it's it's experiential you know okay i appreciate you're saying that but until i've done that yeah I, and but that proves how deep rooted these stories are yeah, we have course. this evidence here it is well that's fascinating but you know what I'll, I'll find out for myself but could you imagine a world there where people weren't weren't didn't want things and, and weren't striving towards a, a form of happiness i mean i guess that that's a lot of what the eastern philosophies teach yes it is yeah. it's about yeah being more content in the now without the striving part it's the it's the striving part and it's the story you tell yourself about the striving part is the journey one of purpose that uh, that is the most important element the journey the quest is that purposeful or is that the grind that gets you to to the holy grail at the end and you kind of decide don't you that's yeah it's a good point i mean I thought personally a lot about what we're discussing, um, so I'm quite passionate about it. And I, I, I have actively picked a narrative that allows me to cope in the world in a way that is the most beneficial to me. And at the same point, I'm extremely open to changing that or trying on slightly different aspects of that story if it's going to enable me to feel better as a person. Because the narrative I was telling myself five years ago was one, five years, 10 years ago, was one that's creating pain. You know, exactly. I had this car accident, it's affecting my life in this bad way. And, blah, and I don't buy into that anymore. My narrative is completely different. Bad mm -hmm. stuff happens to people every single day. And 
you can either complain about it or you can do something with that exactly. and channel it. Yeah. Yeah. So your your the nar- narratives that you may or may or may or may not be aware of will absolutely affect your happiness. But I think there are happiness and success social narratives that people buy into about what we feel as a society we are meant to do in order to to be happy. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing that must change from generation to generation. Yes. As well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now it's very much about sort of quick fix, quick fix, meaning moral qualities, moral virtues. They are they don't seem to be as important these days, I would argue. I think one of the issues is that um, with social media nowadays, it's very easy to portray yourself as someone with, with high moral integrity. It's very easy to pick a quote from Epictetus, a Stoic philosopher, and share of it. It's very easy to pick a Marcus Aurelius quote and to share it. But encapsulating that thought and making it part of your daily methodology is completely different. And I can quote a thousand different quotes that I don't live up to. But if I wanted to set up an Instagram account, I could probably sound like the most inspirational person that's ever lived. But for me, what's the benefit? And I was talking in another podcast about this. Um, A PT instructor was just explaining that he thinks that all Instagram, YouTube and stuff should be educational. It shouldn't be look at me, look how great I am, look at this stretch I can do. It can be look, if you want to do this. This is taking me five years to do this. This is how I started. This is how you can do it. But he was saying the biggest problem is that the the, the end result gets the most likes and it, it gets does. the most follows and it gets the most people buying into it. And also you're working against that cultural society narrative at the moment that uh, this, uh, this, uh, this sense of entitlement that's so strong as well. This idea that, that you know, this individual, individualistic kind of culture we live in, that, we, that I'm special, I am unique. And this idea that, yes, well, okay, it's good to have a healthy measure of self-esteem for you to feel important, for you to feel that you matter, for you to feel valued in the eyes of others is one thing. But you, for you to feel, I, and we see this a lot in the coaching industry, that I'm special, I'm unique, that I am incredible. I'm not sure whether that's that helpful either, because then, you know, that's not particularly balanced. And the danger of that is you could, um, it could be associated with narcissism as well. Could you define narcissism from a psychological perspective? I actually did a podcast on narcissism myself and just interested to get your... So entitled uh, self-importance. So this idea that I am I am superior, superiority complex. I am superior to you. But you are superior to me in, in the vein of therapy, but you're not a narcissist. But superior in the sense that I, I, am, more, I am more worthy a human being than you. I am oh, right. special. I am gifted. I am above you in every sense. So that's, the, that's narcissism explained so i think i was reading a really interesting book that was talking about actually that one of the problems with the self-esteem movement to make people happier is it almost went too far the other way and everybody felt they were unique and special and gifted (laughs) Um, and actually you know the, the the what that can do is that can create a sense of entitlement that actually and, and I think we see that now with celebrity culture as well, that, you know, I, if I, I want to be special like she is, I want to be, like, feel like I'm really matter like he does on television. Mm. Symptoms of social media again. It's a platform that's there to connect people. But in my experience, it does the opposite. It makes us feel more isolated makes us compare ourselves to the people that are photoshopped and edited exactly. in every way and you know and also you know, do, do, do i need to feel unique and special in order to be happy because that's sometimes a message that's out there as well i mean i don't know what your thoughts are on that you know is is happiness does happiness have to be i 
I need to feel special, unique? It's a good question. I can I can give a left field answer to that, uh, which is completely underrated. So maybe I'll come back to it. But I deleted all of my social media accounts last year. I have um, obviously my podcast channel and Facebook for a community on there, but that made me happier um, because I didn't I, I didn't feel the need to constantly check it and to be competing about how many likes. And even though I, I genuinely that well, I say I don't care. Obviously, I did care because I was checking all the time, but I didn't feel like I cared. And then exactly. you're kind of looking at things and then you're seeing other people with more and it, it gives you a sense of unhappiness. And I realized that you're just fighting a losing battle and it's just, it wasn't conducive to how I wanted to live my life because there's no end to it. No, if you're getting a million no. likes, you want 5 million likes. Exactly. So actually that social media made me unhappy. Exactly. Um, and there's evidence that's, that that's the case. The more time you spend on social media, the, the less happy you are. Yeah, which is... But I think yeah. rather than this idea of, you know, buying into and aspiring to, I'm special, I'm unique, yeah. I'm good enough. Yeah, would be, sorry, would be a much better direction. I'm good enough. So could you, yeah, could you say that? You asked me a question. Could you just phrase it again? So it was... So I think, do you feel that yeah. in order to be happy, you need to feel special, unique? No, I don't. No. Um, and I, I agree as well. Yeah. But I think that message is kind of out there. That, yeah, it you know, is. I, it's a, it's a I'm very, special. I'm, it's individualistic. I'm me. There's no other me. I'm special. I'm well, unique. Well, I think if you're special and unique, you'd feel proud. I don't think you'd feel happy. I mean, even then, are you? Are we really that special and really that unique? I mean, I'm one of these Would you feel proud? I'm trying to think. Yeah, but maybe. Uh, let me I think probably what would. I would feel. Yeah, or I might feel narcissistic again. I might, <laughs> I might feel powerful. I yeah. might feel powerful. I might abuse that power. If I truly, were, if I woke up tomorrow morning, I thought I am, I am special. I am unique. I'd feel a sense of self-importance. Yeah, that's. So it depends. It could. Yeah. Be fine. It could, again, it's it's balancing, isn't it? it it's is. balancing that that thought. It, it's really in, interesting. Um, just labeling the the different ways in, in which you can think about that. Um, feeling special and unique i mean i i kind of one of these people that thinks that we we all have a natural talent in something in, in life and we're, we're, we're predisposed to do something what other people aren't some people like writing some people like speaking for example but i also think that um with with practice and anything you can really get so much better at anything that you that you sele select to do so i think that the the happiness um again this is this is my narrative um again comes out by the sustained effort um, of doing something and working towards something, even if you're really bad at it to start with. I mean, that's something that I can say that gives me the, the biggest feeling of happiness um, in my life is that I, I stuck to something and I'm happy about the fact that I did that. Exactly. Yeah. And the idea that I have a talent, and but with practice, that talent can, Im can improve even more mm. rather than this sort of it, this, you know, I am special, I am a unique human being. I'm yeah. a special, unique human being creates a kind of, egotistical narcissism whereas it's okay to accept i have a talent and with practice that talent will continue to grow hmm. so are there any um thoroughly thought-provoking interview are there any areas within happiness that, that i haven't questioned you on or that we haven't brought up any any other kind of it's a huge topic as you can see really that leads us in lots i was going to say yeah i mean my so, mind's been blown so i i think that the key thing really is is adding more meaning recognizing that happiness is not just about feeling good it's not realistic it's not even desirable to feel good and happy all the time it's about 
adding meaning into your life in some way, whatever is meaningful and purposeful to you? So, I mean, could a, a very simple way of adding more meaning, just, just to test it out to see if it fits, could it be, you know, the meaning of tidying up my, where I live or tidying up my neighborhood? So if I see some rubbish on the floor, I'm going to pick that up and put it in the bin because it makes me feel part of the community. Would that be a, a suitable way of testing it or is it so individualistic you can't do that? It's pretty individualistic, but that is one of many ways of testing it, whether it's helping other people or feeling feeling like you're making a difference is the phrase that I would use, okay. which that falls into. So whether you're helping other people, whether you're doing what you said there, it's this idea that happiness could also be about feeling like you're making a difference rather than just how happy can I be and what how can I serve myself? I think that is a fantastic frame. You take the frame and focus of the lens away from you and how can I help other people? And, and as a byproduct, it's not about you anymore. And you're, you know what, when you have that mindset, you actually take away a lot of anxiety in your life as well because it's no longer about you. I remember years ago when I used to do a visualization before I would speak on camera, I'd, I'd visualize myself up there speaking and it would give me anxiety. And then I remember changing the, the lens to face the audience and I, I, I envisaged being in the audience and I felt great. I felt like the person on stage was influencing me to make me feel happier, to entertain me and to change the way I looked at the world. So shifting that lens away from you to something else, in my experience, instantly makes you feel better. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But uh, the caveat I would add just quickly yeah. is we <laughs> always are, one. We are, we live, because we are living in this individualistic society that we're living in now, the lens is so much focus on us and us as individuals that uh, I think that uh, that can, it can sometimes make the idea of taking the focus away from you challenging because of the, the social context that we live in. I would agree with you. And I think that we, we you know, with overpopulation and, 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 growing numbers that every single industry is so infiltrated with people and it's, it can be very difficult to make yourself in, in the world today as, as perhaps it, maybe it was 60 years ago there's perhaps a lot less opportunities than what they used to be so unless you do have your goals firmly on what you want to achieve then obviously it can be very difficult to do that but then you know there's a balance 100% just on you is not healthy right so even if you just add 10% or or 15% and try on that hat and see if that enables you to just feel more relaxed i'm, yeah. sh I'm sure yeah, that's i'd agree yeah so i guess the, the biggest takeaway from this episode then is to to ask yourself the question of um how can i be more helpful to society is it always that make a difference it? how can i make yeah. a difference to the world or yeah. people in my, in, so in my world how yeah what yeah how can i make a difference and by doing that you might find that you might be a bit happier Perfect. Once again, Hoddy, great to have you on the show. I will send, uh, I'll include the link to your website and uh, Facebook page in the description below. Fantastic. So thank you very much. Cheers, Hoddy. So after listening to that episode back, uh, again, I'm surprised at what a huge arena happiness is within the world of psychology. Um, some really thought-provoking ideas from Hoddy, just about how we're all individual and we can all seek happiness through different means. So I, I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. And if you want to get access to my back catalogue of interviews, and also I've got some really exciting upcoming interviews planned, then all you need to do is to subscribe via either the iTunes store or any podcast player. You just need to search for The Gary Gunn Show.